This week on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. A triple threat of guests that I know you will enjoy first up, longtime friend of the show, Georgia Swarm goaltender, Mike Poole. Newly named Halifax Thunderbird color commentator, Pat Gregoire, and NLL CRO, Kevin Morton. All that more on OTCB. Cross fans and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud NLL Radio, Cross Flash and Spotify. I'm your host Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me Teddy.Jenner at gmail.com. We are eight days away from the start of a new National Lacrosse League season. Are you as excited as I am? Good, because I am pumped. And I know all the fellas who get things started next week are just as excited. They want to get through this weekend and focus on game one. Three games on the opening weekend schedule. Saskatchewan, Colorado, a rematch of the West Semis. Calgary at Vancouver. And then on Saturday, the debut of Nighthawks 2.0. As the Swarm come to the BCA to take on Dan Carey's new look, Rochester Nighthawks. So three great games. We'll kind of preview them next week as we get you set for the start of the season. But this week, three wonderful, wonderful guests as you heard off the top. Longtime friend of the show, Mike Poulin, goaltender for the Georgia Swarm. We'll talk to the newly anointed color commentator. And longtime fan of the show, Pat Gregoire. And then Kevin Morgan, the EVP and CRO for the National Crossing. We'll talk all things business and sponsorship and give you a little insight into the Alterna Cup. And be warned, American fans, your teams will also play in a Alterna Cup style tournament. And apparently, according to Kevin. The trophy for this Alterna Cup is quite something. Now there's no reports if you can drink out of it or not. I haven't seen it. There's been nothing leaked. But if Kevin Morgan's saying it's a beautiful trophy, then I'm on board until I see otherwise. But let's kind of get things going here um, as we get started on the show. Last week, uh, we had couple Orangeville boys on the show and one of the questions I was asking them was who is your favorite all-time Orangeville Northman who's the best player ever to come out of Orangeville Orangeville and a lot of people said Brody a lot of people said Shooter there were even some suits in there the odd person said Pat Coyle to be honest didn't know Patty was from Orangeville he's up there But when you get one of the players nominated for best ever from Orangeville, Josh Sanderson, you often will take his word over others. And he said his dad, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I got to say, I kind of got to agree. Never saw T play, but everything that Terry Sanderson did for Orangeville lacrosse and lacrosse in Southern Ontario, he has to be up there with greatest hornheads 
of all time. So just wanted to get that out of the way. A couple other news and notes. There was a podcast with the commissioner uh, out last week, and he said that he wants to get to 16 teams in this next round of expansion. That means that they want to add three teams in their next round of expansion. That's just simple math. Now, the question is, do they want to do this by 2021? Or are they going to take some time to let this grow? And I'm on record saying that I would like for the National Lacrosse League and Nick Sakevich to just let where we are breathe for a year or two. Let Halifax get acclimated. Let Philly get more stable. Let New York and Rochester really build on their early beginnings. Vancouver still has to come up a little bit. San Diego needs to find some consistency. I think if we go too big too soon, we run into an issues like we did in the mid-2000s when we got to 13 teams and quickly went right back down to like 9 or 10 because teams were folding at an incredible rate. So let's let this breathe. I'm okay with getting to 60 and I'm okay with getting to 20. They, the vision of getting to 30 teams still blows my mind. But getting to 20 in, you know, by 2030, that's not that huge of a jump. But if we're at 16 teams by next year, that's a lot of talent in a player pool that's still not that deep. Because when you look at the rosters right now and... Of the six teams that are playing this weekend, they're most kind of down to where they need to be. So you still have seven teams with 28, 29, 33 players on their roster. Halifax has a ton because they have their inter-squad scrimmage game this weekend. But when you look through those rosters, we're starting to see guys that... A, never had a chance, so that's a good thing because more roster spots mean more players getting a chance. But we're still not seeing an increase of American players. And that is a huge factor for expansion. Sure, maybe if we do add those three more teams, that gives us 75 more roster spots, so that would obviously open a door for more Americans to play the game. But with the success of the PLL and the fact that those guys are going to be quote-unquote full-time PLL athletes, it'll be interesting to see how deep the American player pool can get. So 13 teams on the next expansion I'm okay with. But if we start getting up to, sorry, yeah, 16 teams, if we start moving past that, One, American players, two goaltenders. Because even now, teams are struggling to find legit number one starters. Vancouver has a toss-up between Penny and Bold. Halifax has a toss-up between Warren Hill and Pete Dubensky. Philadelphia is most likely going to start Zach Higgins, but he's never really gotten his feet wet as a true solid number one goaltender. And I don't know if he's there yet. 
Alex Bouquet in New York has been a number one at times, but again, I don't think he is a bona fide number one. Steve Fry in Rochester has the ability to be that guy, but he's never had the shot. So will he be able to succeed in a number one role or will we see Ryland Hartley early on for the Rochester Nighthawks? So there are teams that need to find a number one goaltender and there's not a lot of them out there. And now if you add three more teams, seven more teams, the goalie pool is shallower than the American player pool. And that is going to be an area of concern if this league grows too quickly too soon. However, there were some preseason games over this past weekend. Rochester and Toronto played to a kiss your sister tie. The Riptide beat the Black Wolves 16-10. Georgia beat the Bandits 17-13. The Wings beat the Riptide 21-18 in an absolute shootout. And the Mammoth beat the Roughnecks 12-9 in front of a very, very full and loud roughhouse. And now most teams have been playing scrimmages. And I used air quotes that you couldn't see. While the Mammoth and Roughnecks played a air quote exhibition game. Now, the difference between the two scrimmages, fans aren't usually allowed in. It's usually just... A simple, no-nonsense game. But if you can play exhibition games and charge fans, then that allows the players to recoup some of the monies earned from that event. So players will always take an exhibition game over a scrimmage anytime. But we haven't seen too many of them. But we are just eight days away from the start of the season. So most teams by now are at a number where they are comfortable with and most teams only may need to make a few more cuts. As mentioned, Halifax has a bevy of bodies still on their roster only because they have their inter-squad scrimmage game this weekend. So come the deadline Monday, expect to see a lot of players released from that Halifax squad. There have already been uh, a lot of players being let go across the National Cross League as we speak. Guys being put down onto practice rosters, IRs. There's even been a couple trades as the Mammoth acquired Dylan Malloy in exchange for a 2025th and a 2022 conditional. But one of the players I was surprised to see released from the Vancouver camp was Brent Adams. Uh, Talking to a few people who are around the team uh, who have been watching their camp. It sounds like Brent didn't have the greatest camp. Struggled with the five-on-five defensive game, which is unfortunate because that guy is a freak of an athlete with unreal speed. But as is often the case, I don't want to say often, as is sometimes the case with American strong field players, is getting into that five-on-five defensive mindset is a tough one. And it surprised me because Brent had played in the Colorado system for a couple years, so It's not like it was new to him, but maybe the Vancouver system was just a little too complex for him to pick up, or maybe it was just something that he struggled with. So he has been released. Tyson Rowe, the big body, Jim Else's favorite lacrosse player, 
has been put on the practice roster. And that was a bit of a surprise to me because one of the things I thought Vancouver needed was more size, grit, and toughness. They've added that with Nick Billich. They get Chris O'Doherty back. But I thought Tyson Rowe would have been a shoe-in to make that club on a starting roster spot right out of the gate. But seems like the Warriors staff have different ideas. Andrew Suter swapped over to the New York Riptide from the Black Wolves in a trade. That kind of caught some people off guard. They got a conditional 2022 entry drowned fourth round selection for Suits. And I like Suits like many people do. But two bad knees and a game style that is slowly fading to benefit the National Lacrosse League. Now, Suits isn't fighting as much as he used to. He understands that. And everybody will let you know that he is a lacrosse flash, big team guy. I just don't know if his playing style can really last in this league. I love his hustle. I love his heart. But watching him play, I think he does a little too much where he could simplify his game. And maybe under Reggie Thorpe in New York, where he can be a leader of that group, can be a vocal guy for that group, maybe he can change his play and just focus on playing strong defense because he's still talented in transition. There's just a few things about his game that, I don't know, maybe rug me the wrong way. I think he can be a contributing factor. And I think giving up a conditional fourth is just fine. Unfortunately, I think his best days are behind him. But I could be proved wrong. And Suits could have a phenomenal year this year for the Riptide. I think it would be great if he could because after all the injuries that he's been through, the guy really does deserve to have a strong, solid season. And I'd love to see it this year. So, let's get into our guests this week. In my opinion, the Georgia Swarm have a real easy road to the number one seed in the Eastern Division. They have Philadelphia, New York, and New England. Philadelphia is going to struggle. I think New York is going to struggle. That leaves New England as the real only contender to push the Georgia Swarm. And I think New England is going to struggle. And Mike Poulin and the Georgia Swarm group are ready to get right back at it. They won't have to wait long. They're playing opening weekend against the Nighthawks. But this is a group that wants a little bit of revenge from last year. They felt they should have gone further in the postseason. They have some unfinished business left on the table. And they can't wait to exact some revenge on the National Lacrosse League. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with a fan favorite, longtime friend of the show, Number 30 in the program and number one in your heart, Mike Poulin, whose Swarm team is really gelling at the start of camp. Yeah, so far so good. Um, I pulled, I, it just kind of worked out. I had the flu weekend one, so year 15, and just happened to work out. I was able to uh, get an extra weekend off, so that didn't hurt. But 
You're um, learning. You're learning in your wise age, Michael. <laughs> I wish I could say it was a was a trick, but it also helped with the the weigh-ins on week two for me. I haven't had the flu <laughs> for four days, so that was nice. What's it been like so far this year? Obviously, uh, a new season brings new faces, um, a refound energy, and a drive to be the best team in the National Cross League. How has the first few weeks been? Uh, yeah, we I think we look really good, really competitive. Um, you know, we like you said, you want to bring in a few new faces, uh, and we were able to do that. And they're familiar faces. We brought in, you know, we brought back Jordan Hall in free agency, and uh, after a year away, Joel White's back. And you know, any team that was already pretty good to begin with is able to add those two guys. I think it makes us an instant contender. So um, our camp is looking really good. Everybody's fired up and happy to be back. And we don't we don't bring in a ton of numbers. We bring in enough for you know, to know what we need. And, and uh, so we're getting right into our systems, which is nice. Uh, I talked about that last week on the podcast where, you know, some teams are still above 30. Other teams are right around 25, 26, 27 guys. How important is it for you guys to keep those numbers low so that you don't have that catch-up time? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's funny. You want to you wanna bring in guys to compete. But at the same time, you don't want, um, you know, you don't want to just give guys reps for the sake of being there. You, so everybody who was brought out to our camp had a legitimate shot. And I think that showed in everyone's competitiveness. Everyone who was there, um, you know, battled. And, uh, and and it allowed us to, to get good looks at, you know, new faces. But it also let guys who are established NLL players, um, you know, get their reps in because, the summer, it's uh, it's a completely different game. It's kind of funny. It's it's major series lacrosse or 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 outdoor lacrosse. It's you know lacrosse catching and shooting. But uh, once you get to the NL, it really is a faster game. Uh, the refs call it more close, so you can't get away with you know with um, you know playing a certain system and, and a, a certain style, which you know I think is great. I think it allows the the you know the fans to see a more exciting play, play of lacrosse. Um, so everybody now is in and. and getting right back into the flow of that. And it's going to help us because we've got some tough games coming up right out, right out of the gate that we need to win. And, uh, you know, in this league, it's hard to give up, you know, four or five games on your, on your division and have a chance of making the playoffs. I remember way back in the day in Calgary, we, we were like one in six to start the year and we squeaked in because, you know, Vancouver was one in seven type of things, but yeah, uh, yeah, it yeah. doesn't happen anymore. You mentioned the the adjustments from summer to NLL. And when you look at some of the young goaltenders coming in this league, they have to learn to make that adjustment, not just to the bigger nets, but losing the big wooden stick to go into a field stick. As a guy that's been in the league for a while, do you still have troubles making that adjustment? 100%. The the stick is the biggest thing. Um, You know, it doesn't take too long to get your footwork figured out in terms of the size of the net. And, um, Often you'll see in summer lacrosse defense defenses will just pack it in and swing their sticks away, mm-hmm. and you've got big guys who who it's tough to shoot. And so as a goalie, you stand back, you know they're not going to beat you in the five hole. So you you know you're just you're the odds are better in your favor. But here in the NL, you have to step out. You have to be more active. You have to you know um, jump side to side more often because the ball swings so fast. Uh, but that that comes quicker than the feeling of a wooden stick to the small stick. Because really in the summer you don't have to move your stick. Um, you know, don't, don't get me started on that. I think all, 
all lacrosse should have a, a plastic stick because we're not doing young goalies any favors and, and we're not doing young parent players a, a favor by having three, two games, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, so yeah, I was fortunate. I had the, the world indoor uh, lacrosse championships to get used to the plastic stick again, but I know talking to a few of the guys around league us goalies, we all kind of chat and connect. Um, that, that kind of is the funny theme is like, Oh my gosh, I forgot what, you know, I forgot what having a five hole was like. <laughs> How is the, the camaraderie? between fellow goaltenders because there's you know the hashtag goalie union but how much are you guys in talk during the season during the off season whether it's about rules gear specific stuff like that how how much of a conversation is there between all of you um yeah it's definitely not all of us there's not you know a group chat with everybody in it um typically i'm talking to you know guys who i play with matt vince in the summer and i play with d ward and and uh you know, uh, Del Bianco this summer. So we have, you know, we've been texting. Uh, and then there's just guys who, you know, through like Frankie and I are still so close. Um, and, um, you know, and guys who I've played with over the years, like cause and, and you just connect and, and usually, right. It's about a rule or don't get me started on a green lacrosse ball. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> and, uh, and then in the, over the years, you know, there's been a lot of goalie changes. And uh, they want to get the scores up. I understand that. And, and, you know, we want to drive new American fans. And when they see some of the goalies that they can kind of wonder what, you know, what's going on because they're used to outdoor lacrosse with, with no equipment. Um, but in this game, it's completely different. And I think if you make us too small, all you're going to get is goals and face-offs and face-offs tend to slow down the game and, uh, uh, and stoppages and, and, you know, again, like I said, that we could have a whole nother conversation on that subject too, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm really not too much of a complainer. I, I I want the listeners to be like, whoa, this guy's just bitter. But I'm not. <laughs> I do I do think there's a, a happy medium where we can find a good fit, and the league is working on it. But uh, but then they go and do something like put a green ball in when we have a green turf. So anybody shooting out there, underhands, tough to pick up now. <laughs> I don't give away all the secrets. My well, there's no way we're gonna let this fly. No, I mean, no, this cannot happen. No. Um. What were your thoughts when, A, you first saw it in, like, a prototype, uh, maybe through a couple of tweets here and there, but then when you actually got to feel it, see it, hold it in your stick, what did you think of this new design testing green ball? Uh, a few things. My my first initial thought was, oh, it looks cool. And then I thought, well, kids usually come up progress after games with lacrosse balls, and that yep. one with all the rigidness is going to be interesting. Um, and then – when I realized that they were actually serious about green, uh, I thought they were just a prototype first. Uh, like, I know some people in the executive levels have said, oh, in Wimbledon, it's a green ball on, on green turf, and you can see that fine. But, um, you know, we're, we're looking at the ball from a completely different level. Like I said, anything low, it, you're losing it. When you, when you have a white ball, you can often lose it on the boards. And, um, so, I mean, there's – the PLL did it right with an optic yellow. Uh, there's an orange ball. Like, I think that would make more sense than green. Um, I don't know the whole reason behind it. I haven't been in any conversations. Or That's the funny thing is they never ask us. When they mm-hmm. change equipment or when they make, you know, things like this, they just go and do it. Um, so I, I'm sure they would have gotten a lot of input that kind of agrees with the goal is that, hey, like, you try it. We can't see the ball when you shoot it. So yeah. um, I don't it, think How does it fly. feel when it hits you? Is it different because of the ridges? Or does it just um, still no. feel like a ball? Oh, that that 
I mean, that, that hasn't been too much of a concern. And I mean, the one thing is we haven't even really used it in an exhibition game. So yeah. we don't like practice is one thing. And then you start throwing it around in a competitive environment for the swarm. We haven't seen it. I know a few goalies, like a few teams have, mm-hmm. but um, we don't even know really what we're getting ourselves into. <laughs> you, you mentioned that they, they don't really talk to you guys as much. And that was going to be my next question because whether it, you know, thinning out the goalie pads or making them more streamlined, putting in the screen ball, new jerseys, you know, different styles. Do they not, because I don't even remember it happening when I was a player, do they still not come to you, uh, whether it be the PA or groups of players, uh, through the competition committee and ask you what you think about these changes before they go and make them? Well, I mean, they have a competition committee and the the PA is – is represented uh i believe they still are but typically what's happened in the past is they've brought things to the competition committee not as like a hey what are your thoughts usually it's a hey we're doing this um so there's not much you know usually that um that happens but i know in in a few years ago so bodum is the manufacturer of goalie equipment and um years ago they said hey we're going to go use another company um you know they came to us and they proposed the same same gear and uh and it's i'm sure it was significantly less Goldham's made in canada and, and great you know work in, in their lacrosse pacific so it's really safe and, and that was the key is goalies really like safe you know we're, we're taking some really hard shots so mm-hmm. we want to not feel it um so as long as you say hey as long as the stuff is up to the bottom specs like you say then then we're good and when we brought it up to camp uh just like going through the first horseshoe not only was the stuff kind of falling apart, uh, I, I I knew like I had four or five bruises on my arms and um, your legs were hurting. So I didn't even finish my first practice. And then all the other goalies started to speak out. And, and when we actually got active and, and there was a petition going around from every goalie in the league saying, I will not play if we have to wear this. So there was action and they did listen to us. It, it, you know, it came down to, um, you know, they were trying to change things up, but they realized, okay, it wasn't the right way to do it. This company wasn't ready. Uh, and didn't provide what they said they were going to do. So let's, you know, let's make sure everyone's safe. So they do, they do respond if it is a safety thing. It's not saying that, um, you know, their way or the highway. And I think, you know, if if it does come to a, an actual consideration of using a green ball, um, I think there'd be a safety issue too, just yeah. not being able to see it. So hopefully they'll they'll see that and we can have a discussion about it. But uh, I haven't heard any updates. Let's focus back on your Georgia Swarm. How good can Zed Williams be? Is this a breakout year for him this year, you think? I, I'm on a text with a few goalies, and I, I the last word is Zed Williams, breakout player of the year market. Um, he's, he, you know, he he's going to, um, you know, he's on a right side with Randy and Lyle, and they're going to attract a lot of attention, and Zed is going to be in a position where he's going to have a lot of opportunity, I think, and, um, you know, he's he's grown into wanting that. When he came into the league, he came into the defending champion, really strong right side, Kyle Matisse, Randy Lyle. And, um, you know, it took, you know, a couple of years for him to say, okay, I'm ready to, uh, you know, to take my shots too. And, you know, the summer he had and the camp he's had so far, he's looked incredible. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see him blossom into what, you know, uh, Georgia knew he could when they took him fourth overall. Yeah, it's been impressive to watch his rise and to get more comfortable every time he steps on the floor. And that split between two guys, Tommy Twist, around the world, reverse backhand, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, in that Buffalo scrimmage was just ridiculous. But he's getting more and more confident. And like you said, with Lyle and Rand drawing the attention, he's going to find himself with a lot more open looks. Yeah, absolutely. He, um, you know, he's, he's not going to surprise anyone, I don't think. It's just, who do you guard? You know, it's not like everyone's going to go, oh, where'd that guy come from? He's really good. Everybody knows he's got the talent now because he's shown it. He showed it last year, and he had a great summer. And in the championship game for the for the Iroquois, he had five goals. Um, so it's going to be no surprise to anyone. But at the end of the day, it's you know pick your poison. And yeah. in the past, you know the the ball might have just been in and out of his stick quick to someone else. Where now he's you can see he wants it, and uh, that's exciting. In the last few years, you guys have lost Jesse King, Holden Cantoni on your left hand side. How much? Has that hurt Shane Jackson, or maybe has that helped him kind of becoming the number one guy? Uh, yeah, our, our left side, uh, it's very different this year. But, you know, mentioned Zed as a breakout player of the year. Uh, Wait for the league sees Brian Cole, mm-hmm. a guy who is, you know, known as a D guy and is still on our on our penalty kill, but is incredibly talented. And uh, And when we asked him last year, hey, do you mind stepping up? playing some offense while we uh we had an injury or something he, he came and he was incredible and uh you know and then teams caught on to it but after seeing what he did this summer again in, in outdoor lacrosse and then the world's uh he's ready to really step up and, and help shane and uh you know help with our left side and then bringing back jordan hall was just so key because he and shane have that chemistry together they work you know the, the two-man game and, and behind the back they just know where to put it uh so we you know Shane is our, I think, our, our best natural goal scorer. Um, but, you know, the way he plays the game, uh, it, it requires everyone working together. Swinging the ball from the left to the right and back again and back again to to get, you know, open space and have goalies moving. And, uh, you know, I think Shane and, and Lyle and Randy and, and all of our guys who put the ball in the back of the net, they, they really are at their best when they're playing in that system. So it's nice to be able to have other guys that uh, that take the focus off off number 32 every time. Does Vladislav still take all the credit for the offense? It's ridiculous. You should see him walk around camp. <laughs> just, you know, with his clipboard and there's no plays on it. It just says, that was all me. And, uh, he's, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, he's so like such an important part of our chemistry because, you know, Eddie is a, uh, you know, a, a lighthearted and, and keep things loose type of coach. And, uh, and Laddie, uh, it goes with that, but you know, also he's six foot five and he's a SWAT team member. So yeah. when it's time to listen to him, you listen. So, uh, he, he really is, um, a lot of people might, you know, I've seen coaches that have 50 different plays in their playbook. Uh, you know, Laddie knows we just, we need that ball moving, swing it through X and, and, and get the defense jumping side to side and, and find your spot. So as long as, as, as everyone's working together and, and we have our plays that, that we rely on, um, you know, he sees a keen, you know, he has a keen eye for that stuff. And when he needs to tell the guys what we need to change, they'll listen. Before we let you go, uh, you had one heck of a summer. It started with uh, an all-star team-ish uh, that was the Peterborough Lakers winning a man cup your first time uh, out West and, and winning a man. And then you get to play for Team Canada and win the WILC. What was, um, you know, the end of the summer like for you and how special was it to realize that the West Coast is the best? It was it was a special summer. Um, I, I I was hesitant at first joining Peterborough because, like, I've had battles with them for so many years and it, you get frustrated because, you know, they, 
they would continuously be the top of the standings. And, uh, you know, I was in Brooklyn and we would just seem to always be Peterborough we'd run into. Uh, so I had decided I wasn't going to play summer lacrosse. And then, uh, you know, Brooklyn was going through a rebuild and, and Paul Day contacted Brooklyn about my rights and they gave me the opportunity to talk. And when I talked to Paul and, and I really did get, you know, a closer look at their lineup, uh, it, it's very Peterborough homegrown. And um, that that was interesting to see because I came in and uh, what a bunch of guys they, you know, they are, they're, they're, they're all close and, and they've been through the battles together. So, uh, they've got a great bond where they can chirp each other. They can throw, you know, a ball at each other and, and then just, you know, hug it out and let's go battle. And uh, it was really cool to come in and be a part of that and see who they are and, and then be, you know, um, you know, welcomed into that crew. And uh, I felt like, it, you know, the team that I've hated all these years, I, I wish I joined forever ago because it was special. Yeah. And um, it, it, like I said, it's an all-star team. There's so much talent. And at the deadline, you pick up Mark Matthews. Uh, it only got better, and that's when you can you realize, hey, we've got a real shot to do something that I've been chasing forever. So uh, when we finally closed it out in Victoria, that that was a special moment. You know, you know, it's their third time in a row. Uh, for me, it was incredibly special just to even have that opportunity uh, because that Victoria team, they you know they were really talented. The injury bug got them at the worst time, um, but they battled every minute of that series. So it was uh, it meant a lot. And then anytime you get to play for Canada. Uh, that that was really cool. That was my first time, and these things seem to uh, to come to me later in my career. So I don't take it for granted. I, I tell anyone who's who will listen to me, um, you know that that you just anytime you get an opportunity, whether you know it's joining a team like Peterborough or playing for your com- your country or, or just getting on the floor to play Masters lacrosse, uh, you know enjoy the moment because you know you never know if it's going to come or not. And I went through a lot of times thinking that I was never going to win a Man Cup or winning an NLL championship that came late, uh, you know, so it was, uh, it was a pretty special summer for my family and I, and then the, the turnaround was quick, month of October off and then right back into the NLL. So I didn't have time to really enjoy being off, but because everything was, you know, such a great summer, I just really wanted to get back right back into lacrosse. So it's been nice. So you're going to come back to Victoria next summer and hang out. <laughs> Uh, well, where is the man cup? Uh, it's in the east. Oh, uh, that means you're staying out east. Never mind. See they, they are in great hands with Pete Dubinsky. That, yeah, that yeah. guy had the most incredible man cup, and I know how good of a person he is. So, uh, Victoria is in great shape for moving forward. There he is, Mike Poulin of the Georgia Swarm. He and his teammates will get things started Saturday, the 30th against the Rochester Nighthawks. They are not far away from starting their season. And we talked about Zed Williams, and I really believe this is a year for him to break out. Um, Pooley mentioned it, you know, a lot of the attention will go to Randy and Lyle, which should open up Zed multiple times a game. And the way he played... During the Worlds, the way he played near the end of last year really started to come into his own. I think this is a breakout year for him. And I think this is another stepping stone in the career of Brian Cole, who was just shot out of a cannon last year for the Swarm and really burst onto the scene and impressed everybody with his skills out the front door. So 
like I said before before the interview, I really believe that this Swarm team, and I don't want to take anything away from the other three teams in their division, but I really believe the Swarm have the easiest pathway to a number one seed out of the three divisions. The West is ridiculously tough. The North is going to be a challenge with Buffalo, Toronto, Rochester, and Halifax. Those are four really good teams. The East, though, I just, I don't feel strongly about Philadelphia and New York out of the gates. I'm still not sold on Doug Jameson as a number one goaltender for the Black Wolves, and I think they have some holes. It just leaves it wide open for a veteran, savvy, talented swarm club to just go about their business and win some lacrosse games. Because not making the finals last year, pardon the pun, stung. And they want to get right back to where they feel they deserve to be. On the other end of the spectrum, the Halifax Thunderbirds are a new-ish team. A lot of the same players, new logos, new colors. New hometown, new arena, new head coach. So there are some moving parts for this Halifax club, but they have a core base of players that will help them right out of the gate. Again, a bit of a concern for me is if Warren Hill can handle the load as a number one goaltender. He showed at times last year when he came in as sort of the de facto number one that he could play at this level. And he showed signs of brilliance, but I think that Rochester team at the time was kind of floundering and struggling. So now, with a change of location, maybe Warren can just reaffirm himself and play with the confidence that that group knows that he can and win some games for them. If he can't, it will be interesting to see if they call on Pete Dubensky early or if they have a backup plan outside of that that they can fall onto. We'll ask our next guest those questions and more because he's just been named the color commentator along with play-by-play man Pete Dalladay. And sideline reporter Dana Jackson. I almost called her by her former name. And also called her by the name that they mistakenly put on their socials. They spelt her name wrong on the social. Which has to sting. You finally get married, you get a new name, and then your new team spells are wrong. But we'll move on. Dana's going to do a wonderful job on the sidelines and reporting for the Thunderbirds. But... We're here to talk about Pat Gregoire, longtime friend of the show. And since he's not truly an insider anymore, we had to retire. No, we didn't. You know what's coming. Every week, we take a peek around the NLL. So many stories to tell. Let's hope our guest gives us more than stats. It's time for a chat 
with Smoke and Pat. That's right, joined now by Pat Gregoire. And we may not be able to do it every single week, but every time we have him on the show, we will play his intro music. There's no doubt about it. Pat, how does it feel and how long have you known that you were going to be in this new position with the Thunderbirds? Uh, well, I mean, it, the first we found out about it or we were, I was approached about it was probably about three months ago. Uh, Charlie, who uh, does a fantastic job with Halifax, who was with Rochester before that, too, doing all their uh, digital content, uh, talked about what my interest level would be, uh, you know, coming to Halifax and doing color commentary. And I definitely was absolutely uh, interested. It was something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, Halifax is uh, it's, it's a great organization, obviously, with Kurt and John Calano uh, moving that organization to Halifax from Rochester, and they've always run uh, a great organization there. So I knew that obviously was going to work, but uh, obviously with my line of work with uh, Elite Sports Tours, it's a lot of weekends, a lot of travel already. But uh, just the way that the schedules work, uh, it's pretty much there's almost next to no uh, conflicts, and it worked out really well for me. And I, I couldn't be more excited not only to you know now join the uh, full-time NLL uh broadcast brotherhood uh, obviously i did a few games in the rock before but uh, just the fact that it's a new organization with halifax uh, there's so much excitement down there right now they're hungry for professional sports and i think they're totally going to embrace uh the t-birds have you been to halifax before never never you know what it, it, i've been you know out to the I, i've been pretty much all up and down the eastern seaboard in the states but uh, never on the East Coast in Canada. So that's one thing uh, I'm super excited for. I've only heard uh, great things about it. Uh, I'm not too, too overly pumped with uh, how the weather is going to be out there. But, I mean, Ontario is not much better anyways. Uh, but once the spring rolls around and, fingers crossed, maybe a, a nice playoff run for the Thunderbirds, I've heard that uh, the spring and the summer – is just absolutely gorgeous out there. So I'm really fired up for that as well. We'll talk about a possible playoff run in a little bit, bit here. But when you look at this Halifax roster, they probably have the most guys still left uh, to cut down. A lot of that has to do with them having their inner squad scrimmage this weekend. But in the guys that you've talked to since you've kind of been brought on this role, when you look at that roster, how do you like the makeup of this team? I, to, to be honest, I'm not just saying this now because I'm on payroll, but I think this is uh, a team that, if all goes well, uh, could get back to the NLL Cup Finals. Let's not forget, just two years ago, this was a team that found their way, uh, just one uh, win away from winning another title. Uh, you look at their offense, uh, they probably have one of the best offenses uh, in the East. Uh, Cody Jamison, obviously, he's still uh, a top of his game. That You have some young players in Kyle Jackson and Austin Shanks who just continue to get better. Their defense is big, athletic, strong, led by a guy in Graham Hossack who I think is now the best defensive player in the league after two back-to-back defensive players of the year. The one question mark, and it was the biggest hole that was left last year, 
Matt Vince leaving. And obviously they had a little bit of a up and down swing in net, but it, it looked like when Warren Hill went in near the end of the year, they may have found their franchise goalie. And I think there that if he can continue that to have that consistency, he could be a franchise goalie. Maybe he's not going to be a guy that's going to steal you some games, uh, but with the defense that they have and with the offense that they have, he's going to be able to hold them uh, tight in games. And I do think he does have the ability to, to win them some games as well. We saw him do it last year. Uh, why can't he do it again this year? And I think obviously when you go into a new market, Obviously, it's going to be a little bit of a learning process for them, but the energy that they're going to feel from this new market around town at these games, that's got to be a boost as well. And one thing for Halifax, or I should say Rochester, in, the, in, in previous years, it was slow starts that have killed them. So maybe this will combat their slow start because it will be so much energy. It will be feeling like it's a playoff atmosphere in that barn uh, for the first few home games for them that maybe they'll be able to you know, hit the ground running and not really run into some of those struggle starts that they've had in the past. If they do struggle, how quickly do they maybe try and find a replacement for Warren Hill? You know what? It's it's tough to say. It's also a lot easier said than done just to go out and grab a goalie. I don't know uh, where you would look. I don't know if there's a goalie out there that you could absolutely say, yeah, he's sitting in the weeds right now, and he's definitely uh, better than what Warren Hill is. Um, I, I don't know, and, I, and Kurt Styers has never really struck me as a guy that, uh, you know, panics and – makes that move. He is very, very methodical in the way that he works. He trusts his own process, and it usually works out in the end. Uh, if he's making a move, it's usually not because he's panicked. He knows that that's exactly what's wrong with this team. But I, I definitely think that maybe because of what happened last year and their season kind of fell through their fingers, maybe he'll be a little more trigger-happy to go out and find a different goalie. Can Pete Dubinsky crack this lineup? Be their number one guy? Be their number one guy? I don't know. You might be able to answer that question better than me because I haven't really seen a ton of him with the exception of, you know, watching him uh, a few times in that WLA run and then obviously in the Man Cup uh, this year as well. And he was fantastic. But you and I know uh, the summer game is so much more different than than the winter game is with you know the bigger net the smaller stick but with the way that he stops the ball and the way that he plays I think it could translate well uh to being a good winter NLL goalie Uh, like I said I don't know I don't think I've seen enough of him to make that decision but from the small sample size why not Uh, and I think that's one thing that Warren Hill will need is a guy to push him uh, he's a guy that obviously I think he's ready to make the next step and be a number one, but I don't think he's going to be the guy that is going to be comfortable with not having a backup. Maybe he'll get complacent. This is a way for him to now know, yes, this is your net, but you have Pete Dubinsky in the background who is ready and hungry uh, to get that chance as well. So I think maybe a 1A, 1B wouldn't even be the worst thing for this Halifax team as well. 
Clark Peterson was the fifth overall pick in this draft, selected by the Thunderbirds. Uh, a Mimico kid, played at Cornell, played with Branson, has some experience playing in the MSL. I, I know you're pretty high on this kid. Is he the real deal? Absolutely. I, I, I really, I really like his game, uh, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of people, um, you know, in the NLL circles were really high on him. I think they, maybe some people were too uh, high on him uh, before the major series lacrosse season started and just assumed he was going to be able to jump in, play against men, and, and be that uh, dominant force that we've seen him down in Cornell or with the Brampton Excelsiors in Junior A. And, and he didn't. He had a very slow start. It did take him a little while. Uh, but once he kind of found his footing, uh, he was great. And the thing that I really loved about his game is he's a complete player. He's not just a guy that's going to put the ball in the back of the net, or he's not a guy that just found Jeff Teat and fed him and, and picked up a bunch of apples. He's a guy that will crash and bang. He'll go for loose balls. Uh, he's a guy that is not afraid to go back on transition as well. I actually thought in some parts of the year, maybe this guy was more fit uh, to be a transition player, but then you go watch him on offense. You say, no, no, no. He's just way too talented offensively uh, to use him as a transition piece, but he's not going to hurt you if he rips back in transition uh, and takes away a scoring opportunity, and there's a lot of guys on that Halifax team who like to do that as well, too. So uh, that's a huge part. The way this game is going uh, is transition scoring. And if you have a few offensive guys that are able to get back, not just to the bench, but into the defensive zone, and if they can't change and they can play some defense, that's a huge part. I think he's going to fit in perfectly. It sounds like he's got a lot of chemistry with some of those righties already. Him and Austin Shanks have been hitting it off well as, as well. I, I think he's going to be a perfect piece. And just surprise, surprise, another great piece just falls right into the laps uh, of Rochester again, or Halifax again, I should say. you got to get that out of your system, buddy. I know. I know. It's not going to be an easy thing to fix. I've done Warriors and Ravens a couple times. I did Edmonton Rush, Saskatchewan Rush a couple times. you got to make sure. That first game, there is no Rochester in your mind. Oh, I, I will I will make sure I beat it out of this stupid brain of mine. But the thing is, it, it's not a bad thing to have Rochester in your mind because it's it just shows you that, yes, it's a new team, but it's not an expansion team. They still have that great identity that we saw near the end of last season because they made a little bit of a push – Mind you, a lot of guys were in the lineup that were, you know, trying to make a name for themselves. But, I, I mean, last year or two years ago, one win away. Um, Austin Shanks really came to his own. Kyle Jackson came to, into his own. Uh, Jake Withers, uh, obviously a guy that has uh, cemented himself as not just the best face-off guy or one of the best face-off guys, but one of the best all-around defenders in the game. And I haven't even brought up his name, but Ryan Banesh. Uh, he has had an unbelievable preseason so far, and I don't look too much into the preseason, uh, but it looks like he is going to continue to build some chemistry with this offense and not only just be a big part of, of the offense, but also be a leader uh, in the locker room because, yeah, they have some of these guys that have you know, are younger and they have been in the league for a few years, but relatively, there's still a lot of young faces in that locker room. Three questions to get you out of here. One, they are now in the North Division along with 
Rochester, Buffalo, and Toronto. That is a very, very tough Eastern-ish division. Can they crack the top two? I mean, I I can't see why not, considering where we saw them two years ago. Uh, I do think right now, uh, from what I've just seen in the preseason and what we saw last year, um, I think Buffalo, obviously, they they have to be uh, a contender, but we've seen a lot of key losses in their lineup. Whereas you look at Toronto – uh, they've they've added and they've gotten better. You know, they went out, got two veterans and Dan Dawson. Um, you know, the Brockett ship picking up David Brock. That's huge as well. Their defense just continues to get better and better. So those two teams, it's tough to knock one of them off. But I just, for for me, it's a fresh start for an organization that has chemistry built in it already. Uh, I think if I had to pick. Right now, I think Toronto's the favorite to win that division, but I could see Rochester pushing out maybe Buffalo or maybe even Toronto and sneaking into one of those top spots. That's a bold thing to say that Toronto's your number one team in that division. I like it, Pat. Come with the fire right away. Okay, question two. When you signed your contract with Kurt Styers, how much of a signing bonus was air gel? <laughs> well, that's that was the joke that was running with uh, – uh, our, our group chat and uh, Jim Jim Ellis messaged me and asked if there was a uh, an endorsement deal. I said, you know what, not too sure, but I know I'm going to have to get a, a bigger carry-on to bring all that gel uh, <laughs> over to the East Coast. But no, and hey, Pete Dalladay, I mean, he's got some good flow on him too. So That's we're going to have some pretty good we're going to have some pretty good lettuce in, in in that booth. You're not allowed to make Dana look bad though. You know that, right? Oh. You always have to be stuck. Oh, that I mean, we're we don't we're no we're we're still ugly. She she's gonna still be the star of the show. Don't worry. Okay. Perfect. Final question. You're now with Halifax. Tyson Geik is now working radio and with the Canucks in Vancouver. Ashley Dawkins a big wheel, big deal on Toronto sports radio. When or if ever do we get a relaxed reunion? You know what? Tyson and I have been talking about this. Uh, all the time, and we really want to we want to get the squad back together. But docking's too big time for us now, so mm. I, I don't know if I don't think the budget's big enough to to bring her bring her out. But no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, to be quite honest, uh, we are trying to plan something. Um, you know, not obviously relax, but some show uh, on the Lax Flash, a, a recap show. Um, obviously Tyson and I will be involved and we'll try to get docking on as much as possible because obviously I joke and, and, uh, but she is a, she is a busy, busy woman. She's killing it with 590. She does a lot of coverage with the Raptors as well. She's going to still be involved with the rock too. So uh, we want to get something back again. Obviously it's not relax. It's, it's not, uh, what people are going to be used to seeing, but there's something in the works where, um, you're going to at least see three of our faces or hear our voices at some point uh, throughout, throughout the year. You heard it here first, right from the hair-gelled mouth of Pat Gregoire. Expect some sort of a relax redo. I can't wait. Doc Geik and Smoke and Patty G, 
one of my favorite trios of all time. They are all busy outside of the world of lacrosse, but like most of us, always find time to give back to this crazy game we all love. We're running out of time here on the show, but we still have to get to Kevin Morgan. He is the Executive Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer for the National Lacrosse League. And if you've been following uh, the NLL at all this offseason, you have seen an influx of companies getting on board with the indoor game. From Wilson, Geico, Anheuser-Busch, SportLogic, Grabia, the list goes on. More people are wanting to get involved with the National Lacrosse League, and that can only mean great things. So while many of the players were rehabbing during the offseason, Kevin and his crew were busy making things happen. And there's lots to tell, including more about the Alterna Cup. But first, we start on a busy offseason for NLL sponsorship. Yeah, so I appreciate uh, I appreciate you calling me, and certainly, uh, you know, the, the the busy season for the NLL on the executive side and on the operations side is really the off season because that's where all of the foundation is laid for success for the season. You know, we've been working hard over the last eight months on, on sales meetings, uh, follow up, uh, you know, uh, program development uh, with all of these potential non-endemic partners. And what we see happening right now, Teddy, is that we're the fruits of our labor are coming through. You know, we, we just renewed our deal with Geico. Uh, we're in the midst of uh, renewing another deal that we had last year with Anheuser-Busch, Michelob Ultra, and we, we're on the cusp of announcing about three to four other big non-endemic partnerships, which we think are going to change the face of lacrosse uh, for a long time. Uh, the reason I say that is once these big non-endemic partners come into the game. They bring more revenue into the game, which helps us reinvest and make the game stronger. And that's uh, ultimately what we're after. Yeah, and I was kind of going to go down that road. How important are those, uh, you know, non-endemic, non-sport or lacrosse-type sponsors, not just to build the brand, but to bring other non-endemic sponsors? Uh, they're, they're invaluable. You know, when we did the deal with Geico last year, it was an eye-opener for many brands, many CMOs that watched us, you know, announce that. Geico, you know, is a massive brand. And Bill Brower is one of the best executives in the country in terms of spending how they allocate Geico's money. Um, you know, you would think with all the things they do that, you know, they just spend money wildly, but that's the opposite of Geico. Geico is really strategic, very analytical, and uh, they made the decision to invest into the NLL because they see this fans. You know, they see, you know, we're going to draw almost a million fans this year. Uh, they see those numbers. And they see that, that there's a, a real opportunity. So um, when, when that happens, uh, you know, the other CMOs take notice. So, you know, the CMO of Citibank, the CMO of AT&T, the, you know, they'll all take notice to what others are doing in the industry. And uh, hopefully it'll help them come on board and make the decision to answer the cross. Is it a bit of a chicken and the egg scenario where it's fans bring sponsors, but sponsors bring fans? Um, you know, not really. I mean, the, the, the sponsors will help us grow the game significantly, but you're, you know, you really have a hard time bringing on any sponsors if you can't sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there, there's all sorts of different ways to measure the, the, the 
value of a franchise and a league, but it really comes down to ticket sales. When people come live to the product, um, it, it just shows a significant interest and a significant uh, demographic that's attending. And, you know, that's been our advantage, our competitive advantage. You know, the NLL, you know, we're, we're not, uh, we do pretty well at the game. We do, our, our teams are, you know, putting about 12, 14,000 in Calgary's case last year, they're 19,000 in the building on a, on a tightly basis. So um, that is where the, the brands look and say, wow, you know, if they're doing an NHL type game, uh, something special is happening in the arena and we've got to be part of it. Obviously, with, with Wilson and Evo Shield, Warrior, Team 22, Under Armour, you're covering your equipment bases and making sure the players are taken care of. But bringing in Grabio and bringing in SportsLogic are really creating a new fan experience as well. You're right. You're right. And those deals are really infrastructure deals, Teddy, so that, you know, when you look at how do you grow a league and you put a plan together, you need incredible partners like the ones you mentioned. Uh, Sport Logic is, is, you know, they're just um, a juggernaut in the space. And when we're able to partner with somebody like that and bring advanced analytical statistics um, at, a, at, a, at a much deeper platform, a much richer environment, um, it just it, 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 it makes everything else easier. Um, as a matter of fact, we're going to be announcing a partnership that um, because of our deal, that we did with Sport Logic uh, will be resulting out of that because the, the company that's making the financial investment into our league sees that we're aligned with people like Sport Logic. So it's really important. And, you know, at the end of the day, the fans are, you have to build a, a league to represent the fan base. And if the fans can get that rich data on, on the players and the, and the, um, the clips and seeing the, the replays, you know, as they come out um, in a quick, expedient fashion. Uh, that's how you serve your fan base. So, you know, our partnerships have really come in line to help us just be better, you know, be better and stronger at what we do as a league in serving our fans. You mentioned, obviously, there's some more big non-endemic names coming in, but is there a great white buffalo out there for you in your mind that somebody out there that you would love to have partner with the National Lacrosse League but haven't quite had that opportunity yet? Yes, there is. (laughs) Appreciate you asking that, um, and we are on the cusp of, of being able to bring those those companies on board. So one of which um, is a is a really big, robust company in the in the in the U.S. Um, who has a tremendous brand name and a heritage around the company, who I think is going to invest in the league. And then there's another one in Canada that we recently met with uh, in Canada that we feel is uh, really really uh, a perfect fit for the NLL for the future of lacrosse and can help us with our Canadian roots uh, because it's a real strong Canadian brand. You've got this marketing tease 101 down perfectly, Kevin. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. We're, we're trying, Teddy. You know, we're, we're trying our best. Um, you know, as you know, you know, it, it, doing this is not easy. It's, it's no. uh, you know, but, but we believe that not only do we have the best players in the world, but I think we have the best content in the world. And the way our, our broadcasters and our digital broadcast and what Joel Feld has done with delivering that broadcast, um, I, I just feel our content. You know, I, I, I ran the you know, business operations for the Washington Capitals, and I was with the New Jersey Devils. So I've been in the NHL for years. 
Um, and I, I think, and I know this will sound crazy, uh, but I think our content is better. I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't disagree. Um, one last thing. Obviously, uh, the news has sort of been filtering out about the Alterna Cup. Uh, obviously, Alterna Bank is a big company in Canada. What can you tell fans about the Alterna Cup, how it's going to work, and is there something in the works for American teams as well? There is. There is. The whole purpose of the Alterna Cup was to generate uh, more interest in our Canadian teams in Canada at the grassroots levels so that the kids are more programmed and plugged into, you know, the Canadian, Canadian versus Canadian. So it'll be a separate competition uh, that is tracked on NLL.com. Um, and Alterna uh, site as well. Um, we're going to push the standings and the, the Alterna Cup standings out through uh, the local channels, through the ALL, through the CLA, through our, our partners in, in lacrosse in Canada. And uh, we're going to do the same in the U.S. And the purpose really is to just get that homegrown interest level uh, at the grassroots levels. And a brand like Alterna is perfect because it's a really old, uh, historic brand in, in Canada, uh, very grassroots in terms of the way they market their, their company, led by uh, Rob Patterson, maybe one of the, the, the uh, you know, just a wonderful thinker, a really smart guy that thinks outside the box. And being able to have a partner like Rob and Kim Mosley at Alterna Savings, uh, we, we feel like the program is going to be incredible for years to come. So. Um, that, that program will be unveiled. There's a separate trophy for the Alterna Cup, uh, which is, it's, when I tell you, beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. And uh, you're going to see the Alterna Trophy uh, tour Canada. Um, and, you know, during the season, uh, we will have a crew out at different establishments throughout Canada and the different provinces uh, really just doing an Alterna Cup tour. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Who doesn't like fun? I think with... The works that Kevin Morgan and his crew are doing, there's only better things down the pipeline. Even on Thursday, the National Lacrosse League announced another sponsorship deal. This time, joining forces with True Sports, a global leader in sports equipment design. They will be another partner of a growing list that will offer unmatched protection and durability to all players throughout the season. So the list of sponsors continues to grow and the impact, as Kevin mentioned, that these sponsors will have with the National Lacrosse League's growth can only be expected to improve. More people will want to jump on board as we bring bigger, more high-profile sponsors into the fold. And so far... These additions of sponsors have been a lot have been geared towards manufacturing and equipment, but also for the fan experience, stats, highlights. Um, look, we talked about a few weeks ago down the pipeline, we could see true sports betting on the game of lacrosse. And as we grow nationally, globally, sports betting is going to become a part of the National Lacrosse League. Um, there was a site in Canada a few years ago that allowed you to, but we need to bring in the rest of the world and keep more eyes onto our sport. 
And I'm interested to see how this Alterna Cup plays out. I'm interested to see what the American version is. The only issue we may run into at some point in time as this continues on is scheduling conflicts, making sure that you know Vancouver can play all four Canadian teams. And if you're doing an American one, you got to make sure that San Diego can play all other seven American teams. So there's probably some logistics to it, but as of right now, the Alterna Cup is a go. I'm excited to see the trophy rollout. I'm excited to see, you know, as the season progresses, you know, if it's Toronto and Calgary in a late year game and the winner is going to win the Alterna Cup, and yet maybe the game doesn't mean anything in the standings. How much emphasis is put on by these teams to win that trophy? It'll be interesting to see because we've never done anything like this in the National Lacrosse League. So I think it's a pretty cool initiative. I know they do it in soccer quite a bit. So that's probably where the idea came from. It will be very interesting to see how these teams prepare for these games and how much more emphasis they put on winning these games because it is for the Alterna Cup. It'll be interesting to see. But the first rendition of an Alterna Cup game will be coming next Friday. Calgary-Vancouver. Game one of the Alterna Cup. Who do you think is going to win this thing? You got five teams. Vancouver, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Toronto, Halifax. Which one of those teams will win the inaugural Alterna Cup? Let me know. Find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. That'll do it for another week. We are eight days away from the start of the 1920 season. A lot of storylines to follow, and we will try and keep you up to date on all of them. So make sure you stay close to your computers or traveling devices because you can take us anywhere with thanks to Spotify. You can also find us on the Lacrosse Flash, NLL Radio, and SoundCloud. Big thanks to Mike Poulin, Pat Gregoire, and Kevin Morgan from the National Lacrosse League. And as always, a huge thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in right here on Off the Crossbar. We will talk to you next week. Until then, be excellent to each other. Peace.